This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. It's been a wonderful morning, Father it's Greg. It's been really fun, yeah. Oh, we've just had uh, incredible guests, uh, great stories uh, of people in the kingdom, uh, just giving glory to God, you know, Amen. with their beautiful work. And now uh, we have another wonderful story um, and guest in our studio, Deacon Paul Erickson from the Diocese of Crookston at St. Joseph's in Moorhead, Minnesota. Welcome, Paul. Well, thank you. Very nice to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you, and you have a really incredible story. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. About me? Um, well, I've been, I'm a deacon at St. Joseph's in Mora, and I've been there for three years, so I'm sort of new at this whole deacon thing. Mm. Uh, I've been married for 34 years to Sean, and uh, we've been here pretty much most all of our life. We have one daughter and two grandkids. Beautiful grandkids. Truly love yeah. to spoil. Well, in the pictures that I saw recently of them, <laughs> oh my word, they're so adorable. They're cute as buttons, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty special being a grandparent, that's for sure. Oh, well, wonderful. Well, you have been given a unique opportunity from God <laughs> to be very, um, very charitable. We talked a lot about charity uh, with um, our earlier guest, but how did God call you to serve your neighbor in a unique way? It was sort of, well, as with many things with God, it's kind of roundabout. It seems like you kind of ease into it and you wiggle your way closer. Um, you know, we had uh, an article appear in the church bulletin about a gentleman who was looking for a kidney. And it's been in there before, and I just had never really picked it up or whatever. And that day, it just hit me, and I thought, well, I've been an organ donor my whole life on my driver's license ever since I've been able to drive. And I was thinking, like, what does that really mean to me? What does that needs to mean something? And so it's like, well, that's kind of when it really started to think about, is God calling me to give something more? Um, you know, all through my formation as a deacon, it was always about, you know, what is God calling me to do next, today, this week, coming month, whatever. Um, not just as a deacon, but as a man and just as a child of God in general. So... Prayer ensues um, after that. And I mentioned it to Sean. I said, well, I'm thinking about donating a kidney. And she says, well, of course you are. Um, (laughs) So it was no surprise to her uh, that (laughs) this was on my heart. And I just thought that that was, you know, we hear, we see in the gospel how Jesus is saying, follow me, be my disciple. This is how to live your life. Look to me how you should live. And you think of, well, what did he do? He gave his life for others. And and I think, and then at that point, every Mass from that point on really became more poignant to me because it was, this is my body given up for you. When we would get to the consecration during the Mass, that was all of a sudden like a laser focus 
right into my heart. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my body given up for you. I'm going to give a part of my body um, for somebody else to live, to live at least a better life. Yeah. Deacon, you help, you help us to see how um, just your, the, the unfolding path of your own relationship with Christ had started to um, like tug your heart. Well, maybe first like point your eyes to this ad in a church bulletin for a, for a, a kidney of all things. Yeah. Uh, you don't expect to see ads uh, for, for, for things like that. Uh, but nonetheless, um, it, it, was, it was there and your eyes caught it and the Lord kind of caught, caught your heart about it. And so you started to, uh, to, to really pray and, and talk with your wife about it. Um, and so you, you, you describe how that was starting to resonate in your heart, but how did you kind of weigh that against like, uh, kind of the objective side of the church's teaching, like how does the church view organ donation to help kind of help you help guide your decision in that? From a from a church perspective, about you know serving 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 others, you find ways to serve others, all kinds of different ways. And for me, it was this is the gift of life. We kind of were on the cusp of the, you know forty days for life here. And so this was yet another layer on the um, the pro life mm-hmm. concept right. of right. of the Catholic Church. Of I can save a life, quite literally, um, by doing this. And so it's like, well, it's almost feel felt like if I don't do it, that sort of <laughs> kind of implied the opposite. Sure. You know, like sure. I was not, I, A, I wasn't helping when I had the ability to help. Right. And so it just, I, yeah, I never really had a real moment where I was concerned that this was not something I should do. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful journey. I, I'm, of course, friends with your wife, Sean, and I was able to see all the beautiful pictures from the hospital room, and you <laughs> yeah, know, she I was mean, my social media yeah. <laughs> She she did a great job telling the story and and sharing um, the incredible gift, you know, that both of you shared. Uh, because for for Sean to to go through the uncertainty and the concerns for your health, who she loves dearly, <laughs> you know, it was um, her serving, you know, God as well and supporting you with that decision, which is beautiful. Um, so, so what, what are some of the moral questions, you know, considerations around organ donation for our listeners? Maybe someone's out there listening who would like to do the same thing. Well, it's, I mean, it's from a moral issues. I mean, people, it's, you know, it's the, it's a good deed, obviously. Um, so there, it's inherently good in that way, but what really, what makes it really come true is you as a giving as the giver, um, have to come at it from that position. Uh, when I was visiting with the, the kidney doctor, he was saying, saying how um, in China, what they would do is they would have, they look at the people who needed kidneys, and then they would look at their prison population mm-hmm that was up for execution, and they would execute by blood type yeah. to fill wow. those needs. Just makes um, you And it was just like, wow, wow, that's a, you know, so that's the perversion side of it, you right. know, of you've gone to the, you've taken something that is good, but now you've backed it up by, some, by a truly evil act. Right. 
Um, so it's morally, I think it's a great at your obligation to help your fellow citizen, help your fellow brother. I mean, we always guess this, am I my brother's keeper? And I kept telling people, it's like, yeah, ever since Genesis, we've been our brother's keeper. Um, you kind of, you kind of are, um, you, you have to look after each other and you do have some responsibility that way. And, and God calls each of us, we've all been blessed with different gifts, and God calls each of us in different ways to share those gifts that He has given us, and that's a gift that He gave you to be able to do. Not everybody can do that, whether for physical reasons, emotional reasons, whatever, but the, the fact that you, you know, answered His call, you know, and He knew you know, he planted in your heart. He knew you were willing and, and wanting to do this. And so that's really beautiful. It, it is, you know, you have all the rational reasons for doing it as far as, our, you know, you're healthy enough to do it. Um, someone is, needs it. But it really comes down to that part of your heart, you know, is can you accept that calling or that, that message from God that says, this is how I need you to help my children or my child. Right. And once you kind of get to that point where you can accept that and you, can, and you realize that that is really what it is, the rest of it just all falls away. Um, you just, it's like, yeah, this, I'm not worried about anything. Uh, and that's one of the mysterious ways that the Lord guides the different members of his people, the different members of his body, because there's, um, sometimes we can feel overwhelmed by the amount of needs that are out there with uh, mm-hmm. with poverty in our world and, and, and sickness. And, and it's easy to think of a list of, of, of the needs out there. Um, but when we, we like read the stories of, of, of saints, in a mysterious way, God drew their eyes to a particular need right. and, mm-hmm. and, and at a particular time. And there were other people walking around too who maybe saw the same person or the same bulletin ad or whatever. (laughs) And for whatever reason, he didn't draw their eyes to that. And he didn't like convict their hearts that I want you to, I want you to listen more to this. I want you to dig into this. I maybe have a path Mm. for you here. He doesn't, he doesn't call each person in the same way. Um, But he will call the people that he, that he chooses just like Mm. he chose the apostles um, simply because they were the ones he chose. That's how the, the gospels describe it. And because he, he, he knew the part that they could play in his kingdom. And there's a, so there's a call to each of us to, to give and to serve, um, but the, yet there's something really unique in the way that he wants me and you to serve in his kingdom. And, that's, and that is part of it, too, is that when I was going through it, the part, the, the engagement from the parish side was just wonderful. Actually, I just had a, a lady stop me after Mass and said, she said, I'm still praying for you, you know, and, uh, and it's just sweet because there's so many people who have really gotten behind this, and they might not necessarily be able to donate a kidney or donate an organ themselves, but they are very engaged in the process, and their way of helping that process is to pray. And, and that is so, so important. And you talked about when that bulletin announcement, <laughs> you know, caught your eye, you turned to prayer. You know, because that's how we discern God's will. That's how we're able to hear, you know, clearly what God is calling us to do. And then to have that support network, 
you know, in our, our faith community as well. And there's something in the water at St. Joe's too, because I know of three <laughs> kidney donations over wow. there already. So yeah, we're, we're working on a fourth one. Oh, there's, a, there's a bandwagon going on over there. There you go. But it's that's the water. A, it's the community support and yeah, the prayer yeah. life and the awareness on how important it is. Oh, well, that's just wonderful. Um, well, we're coming up on the break here, Paul, but uh, on the other side of the break, I'm sorry, Deacon Paul, I know Paul and Sean for years. <laughs> this is usually and so, the indicator yeah, when and, your relationship yeah. starts with someone. Yeah, so um, we just want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Stay with us. On the other side of the break, we will continue this conversation with Deacon Paul Erickson from St. Joseph's in Moorhead, Minnesota, on his organ donation, his kidney donation, and, and how we're called to serve him, uh, serve our neighbor uh, in a unique way, all of us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Mount Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible, and we hope the future brings you here, close to home at mountmarty.edu. Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow! We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Janine Bitson along with... Father Greg Hammond. And we and have just... Oh, go ahead, Father Greg. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> just been so exciting talking to Deacon Paul. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, we're here with Deacon Paul Erickson talking about uh, just some really 
fascinating um, and inspiring things that have unfolded in his life over the past number of months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's just, uh, it's very, very exciting to have you here this morning and, and to share your story. It's, it's just so beautiful. And um, it, it just calls us all to a, a higher level of serving our neighbor. It, yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, I think of all the, I mean, I think we were here a little over, maybe a little over a year ago, uh, part of the live drive, Sean and I were on and we were talking about sort of at the starting of this journey or the starting of this process and how here we are again, sort of afterwards, so it was sort of part two, the sequel of uh, the previous session and all the things that we went through there. So it was you know, after we started this, um, you know, when I, we got to the part of getting going on the donation thing, it basically is working with whoever is their health care provider. You know, I mean, you know, in my case, it was the, the, org- the hospital that was organizing it was the Mayo Clinic down in Rochester. But Sanford does them, you know, it isn't just, it isn't just a few hospitals in the country that do them. I mean, that happens more often than you think. And so you kind of work with them, and of course you fill out this gigantic medical history thing of have you had any of any of a, a zillion different things in your your parents, your siblings, and everything. And once they kind of go through that, they know that you're reasonably, um, in my case, they're looking mostly at kidney function or kidney diseases, and I don't have any history of that in my family. They're like, okay, you passed the first step. And then the next step is, well, then we would like to have you come down for what ends up being basically the world's most thorough physical Hmm. um, you can imagine. So it's three days of tests. And I think I had like 30 appointments, I think, in those three days of meeting people. And I draw a gallon of blood, seems like, but it's not... (laughs) Well, there's one of the benefits of being a donor right there, right? Oh, you, yeah, you, I learned, yeah, they're like, they're doing all this blood work and they're like, well, did you know that you had this at one point? And it's like, no, well, you've well, got the antibodies for that and you've well, got this, that, that, and that, and this. And um, so they check your heart, they check your, they check everything. I mean, you're going through lots and lots of tests. And so one, actually one of the things that kind of slowed the process down was they found out that I had a thyroid level that was, I can't remember, too high, too low. Anyway, it was not in where it needed to be. So that was one thing that came out of that. And so it was, well, we need to get that cleared up before we go further. But it wasn't anything that was a deal breaker as far as the donation. So once they got that sorted out, then it was like, okay, you are cleared to do that. You know, and it's like, okay, I'm your stereotypical 58-year-old male uh, who has a body mass index who's not exactly in the normal range, shall we say. Um, <laughs> I've got a few extra pounds carrying around. And so I'm not exactly the, the world-class athlete here. Mm-hmm. So even though my... So it was, you don't have a history of, cath, of kidney, don- kidney issues. Um, so in your health, overall general health is fine. So you are fine to donate. To a kidney, and then the the big plus was that they they said, "Well, you're your blood type O, so woohoo, you're you're a universal donor. You yeah. can donate to anybody." Wow. Um, so that opened up lots of doors, right? Lots of doors for as far as who could receive the kidney, because uh, at that point we really didn't know if I was necessarily a match 
for Carlos or not. And as it turns out, there are sort of layers of matches. You know, nowadays with modern medicines or whatever, you can be not exactly a great match, but with uh, post-donation care, uh, the recipient can still live a normal life and not have deal with organ rejection, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but obviously, the more you, more things you match on, uh, the easier it is for for the recipient after that. So that was kind of so I was like, oh great, I'm, I'm we're in. Well, then we had to kind of wait for Carlos's health to kind of catch up. He mm-hmm. had it's kind of it was sort of a weird deal where it was you have to be sick enough to need it, mm. but you have to be healthy enough to get it. Right. And so. He still had some dialysis going on, and that was one of the comments that was sort of, I thought initially was a bit cold on the doctor's point. He said, well, he can stay on dialysis. And that was kind of like, it's kind of like, so we don't have to rush. And it's like, boy, you know, I, I just initially thought that was kind of like, well, he, like he can just... What, you expect him to just stay on dialysis his whole life, or what? Dialysis <laughs> is a, it's a very, very hard brutal thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, an, it's, yeah, it's terrible. And so I just thought that was initially kind of like, well, that's kind of cold approach to it. But through but, all of it is that they're really concerned about my health as a donor. Sure. Uh, a bit more, really, than his. Were you able to start, were you at this point already getting to know Carlos, is that is he a, somebody that you're able to meet right off, right from the beginning, or at some point further along in the process, or how did you kind of start to develop that that heart for this person who initially was just anonymous you know, through this through the bulletin here, but he became an actual person. That was rather bizarre because I had kind of started the process, but before I had gone to down for testing, um, I was destined, or I was going to go do go to work with, um, go to Holly where he lives and do mass and, and preach there at mass. Mm. And so we go, Father Nate and I, we go, we do mass and then we're chatting on the way back and then we're talking more about this. And he says, well, he was right there. Didn't you see oh, wow. <laughs> and it's like, I just did not kind of put that together. Like, oh yeah, duh, he'd be here. Um, and so I did, so then I didn't actually physically meet up with him until after I got back from the three days of testing. Mm. And, and it was more of a real thing. Like that it was, was going to happen. Yeah, kind of yeah. like, okay, here, this is pretty sure we're going to do this now. Oh, so you were taking some big steps. You were, you were getting pretty invested even before you were able to put um, like a face and, uh, and a relationship into like yeah. behind this. Like this is why I'm doing this. This is who I'm doing this for. Yeah, so I, yeah, up until that point, we really had not met face to face um <clears throat> and it was really quite sweet i came we came over to this their house and um for for dinner and i had made up a part of the test they had done is they had done a scan of my kidney and they said well usually we end up giving the left kidney because of how everything the plumbing and everything and so i printed out a scan of this thing and i wrote put on the top and said, this one's for you, and had an arrow to the left kidney. Uh-huh. And so I brought that to them 
uh, as part of this rumor meeting. And, and they had the neighbors over, and oh, it was just joyous. It was wonderful. It's a unique sort of icebreaker. This <laughs> yeah. yeah. for you. Yeah. 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 Well, that is that is so special. I know that you know there are many donors that actually have that personal relationship. I know from the St. Joe's, you know, mm-hmm. donors, they've been dear friends that they've donated to. Um, but then there's also those who don't have that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, kidney donations, you're able to have that living relationship. But, you know, in the case of being a donor on your license, you know, for some reason, if something tragically happens to you, you may not know <laughs> the person you're donating to, but the beautiful stories of those receiving a heart or a liver or, you know, whatever, whatever, from unfortunately a tragedy, mm-hmm. um, talk about an incredible gift, mm-hmm. you know, uh, both living and not living anymore. And for me, it was by me just being in being a willing donor for him even just getting even just saying i i'm interested in donating to carlos that opens doors in the organ donation process for people that don't have anybody mm-hmm. um so even going in knowing that i could possibly not be a match just by virtue of being in the program sure. i sort of feel like i forced the issue of them finding a kidney for him mm. right kind of like Oh, we have somebody who's willing to donate a kidney, but the only way we can do that is if we can find his recipient a kidney. Right. So mm-hmm. if we want to donate, get one, we got to be able to, you know, we mm-hmm. got to find this, find the other half of this. And so that sort of by just by me being in the program enabled him to get a kidney. And actually, he did not get my kidney because as it turned out, mm-hmm. as we got close to this they said well you're a good enough match but we would like to put the put your numbers basically into the pool and see if there's an even better match and so as it turns out there was an even better match for carlos in florida and i was a better match for the person that they were trying to donate Mm -hmm. to so it was so i don't know i get to hear who actually received my kidney but um, it's kind of funny, the doctor who removed my kidney, his brother works at the clinic hmm. in Florida where my kidney was put in. So he kind of chatted with his brother and said, oh, yeah, it went really well. And well, it's a, su- a surprising twist to the story there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, like, but in a real way that um, <clears throat> maybe there's a lesson there about just the nature of of, of like love, the nature of charity, which um, just opens up our hearts in communion with God, like in, in, in partnership with God to, uh, to the world. And so now it's established this relationship with, between you and, and, and Carlos, even though um, like the, 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 the way the plan unfolded was, was, was different, but here on like the, uh, as Janine mentioned earlier, the beginning of 40 days for life, but also like on the cusp of October respect life month, and um, which has a has an appropriate focus on abortion, but nonetheless, like as the charity of God, as the love of God wells up in our hearts, it makes us want to um, or be willing to um, to give the life that we have, which it can be spiritual. It can be done by mentoring people and just investing in them. But but here, in a very tangible, very physical way, you um, were led 
and you responded to the call to provide from your body. This is my body given for you. It's so, so beautiful, Paul. Deacon Paul, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> These friendships are long. <laughs> but uh, we just thank you so much for joining us and sharing your beautiful story and uh, just the gift of life that you help to, you know, um, give back to, uh, you know, not just Carlos and him receiving a different kidney, but you donating to someone who you don't even know. So up next, we've heard all the phrase, dress for success. Here now, one program is helping women in need do just that. Stay tuned to Real Presence Live. Thank you. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 